Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Josh, what's up, man? It's Luke. What's happening? I'm calling to formally invite you to be a part of next week's episode of 30 Pop to look back 30 years at Candyman's Knockin' Boots. Great song. I know, you, I know you love it. You owned the tape, right? I had the single. That's what I thought. You had a lot of those. Yeah, they were like, what, two or three bucks? Yeah, they were cheap. I don't want to get too into it now because I want to save it for next week, but it started 30 years ago this week. It was the number one song on one of the charts and it held that spot for like four weeks. So we're going to talk about it next week. But the question I do want to ask you really quick is have you ever used the phrase knocking boots without trying to be ironic? Like, was that ever actually a part of your vocabulary? Yes. My wife is staring at me right now. <laughs> if that gives you any indication. We'll hear it next week on 30 pop, but I just wanted to get you lined up. Make sure you know that I'm going to call you back because I want us to talk knocking boots on next week's episode. That of 30 is awesome. Pop. I'm in. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Later, bud. See ya. From Mill U Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 2, Episode 42, Big Rats, Black Cats, and Untimely Death. Today, we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, October 27th, 1990. Hello, friends. Welcome back to 30 Pop. I can't believe we're already this close to the end of 1990. We've only got 10 weeks left until we move into our weekly review of 1991. And I have to tell you, I've spent the last couple weeks getting prepped for those episodes, and it's going to be so much fun. You seriously just won't believe how many great albums released, great bands got their start, great TV shows premiered, and great movies hit theaters in 1991. It's wild, and I can't wait. But first, we still have so much greatness left to cover in 1990. So, let's get to it. We had two new movies in theaters this week, neither of which I've seen, and the only one I'd even be remotely interested in seeing doesn't seem to exist in digital form, at least not as of this recording. That being the Carl Reiner comedy Sibling Rivalry, starring Kirstie Alley, Carrie Fisher, Bill Pullman, and Sam Elliott. Marjorie Turner has a little problem. You should get rid of Harry and have an affair. She's married to it. I think the real reason that you and Harry have never had children is because you don't do it enough. Oh, you are sick. You didn't want to make love, did you? Then one afternoon... You dented your cheese. Marjorie's little problem disappeared. My Aunt Jemima. And left her... Oh, Indigat is the Vida. ...with one big problem. I killed him. Hello? What's the cause of death? He had himself a heart attack. At least he went in his sleep. While you were after. Wow. Oh, I hope it was after. Ew. That's disgusting. It apparently made quite an impact on him. He tried to kill himself with a laxative? Oh. Exactly. I 
I've never seen him naked before. I don't like to touch anything below the belt myself. This is highly irregular. I don't think I should be involved in this. Kirstie Alley. Now I have two things to confess in church this week. Bill Pullman. I'm excited about it. Carrie Fisher. Wow, look at those kidneys. Jamie Gertz. I like fish. Scott Bakula. My lower intestine repulses you. Sam Elliott. Ed O'Neill. Let's eat. Sibling rivalry. It was not sex. It was good. Some fun facts about this movie. According to IMDb.com, this was a surprising hit in Italy, where it was released under the slightly more intriguing title of Brief Fling with a Corpse. As I mentioned, it was directed by the late, great Carl Reiner and released by Castle Rock Entertainment, the production company owned by Carl's son, the also wonderful Rob Reiner, who has another movie of his own we'll be covering on the show next month. The last little interesting bit of trivia on this movie is its unique relationship to the science fiction world. The actors in four of its leading roles played parts in major sci-fi franchises. Carrie Fisher played Princess Leia in the Star Wars epic, obviously. Kirstie Alley was in 1982's Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Bill Pullman was amazing as Lone Star in the Mel Brooks masterpiece that is Spaceballs. And Scott Bakula, who's also in the movie, played Captain Jonathan Archer in the early 2000s Star Trek series Enterprise. Although he'll always be Dr. Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap to me. The other major theatrical release from this week in 1990 was the film adaptation of Stephen King's short story, Graveyard Shift. Stephen King invites you to venture deep inside the caverns below the old Bachman Mill. You're not thinking about going down in there. Where a secret lies long forgotten by any living soul. Just ain't no job worth this. The workers suspected. You can't put me down there. You can't put anybody down there. I know things. The owner denies it. What did happen to the fellow that started this job? He didn't work out. And everyone fears it. This place is infested. That might be the understatement of the year. Broken? Because one by one, it will devour them all. We're like shrimp and an all-you-can-eat salad bar, and that thing ain't stopping till it's full. Must be some other way out of here. It's This isn't real. This is the new horror from the mind of Stephen King. Graveyard Shift. Good benefits. Early retirement. Despite being the top movie at the box office, this movie did not fare remotely well with critics. Even Stephen King didn't like it, in fact. As I've mentioned before, I'm not a huge horror guy, although there are certain exceptions, but I definitely don't get into gore. And while I do genuinely tend to think of every animal I see as my pet, I don't particularly care for rats. So a gory horror film about rats, that's a pretty hard pass for me. Not interested. In music, the number one album in the country 30 years ago this week for the next to last time was MC Hammer's Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him. Again. I've been pretty over discussing this record week in and week out for a while now. But it's worth mentioning at this point in 1990, after nearly half a year in the number one spot, I was still very far from being over this record. MC Hammer was one of about three rap artists that drew me into the genre to begin with, and I was all in with Hammer. I loved the music, the dancing, the fashion, the entourage. 
all the lore and celebrity radiating off him, and I wasn't getting over any of it anytime soon. As for singles, the top song on the Billboard Hot Country chart this week in 1990 was, for the fourth and final week, Garth Brooks's Friends in Low Places, a song I never would have admitted to loving as a kid, but I totally did. Not liking country music was a vital part of my identity as a kid. Growing up in Texas and a family that loved the genre and the culture around it, I was wired differently, and I felt a deep need for that to be known. They all liked country music and rodeos and wranglers. I liked hip-hop and breakdancing and hammer pants, which, embarrassingly, as I've mentioned before, I thought were called L.A. dance pants. And also, which, to my dismay at the time and to my great relief now, I never owned. I guess some of God's greatest gifts really are unanswered prayers. Anyway, the new number one song on the hot R&B and hip-hop chart this week in 1990 was by former frontman of R&B group Club Nouveau, Samuel Prater, known simply as Samuel, entitled So You Like What You See. This song is particularly interesting in that its music video features a very early appearance by supermodel Tyra Banks, who was only at the oldest 16 years of age at the time. New at the top of the Billboard Hot 100 chart 30 years ago this week was the sixth of seven top five ranked singles from Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814, the only one to be released in the hard rock genre, the Grammy award-winning Black Cat. I loved this and just about everything Janet was doing at the time. And while Rhythm Nation absolutely had Janet stepping out from the massive shadow cast by her brother's success, this song was definitely Janet taking a page out of Michael's playbook. The screaming electric guitars, which were a regular go-to for Michael, and which were especially prominent in his first rock release, Beat It, which featured a solo from the legendary Eddie Van Halen that supposedly literally set the studio speakers on fire. Really, look it up. And even the cover art for this single, in which Janet sits casually in front of a black backdrop dressed entirely in black with a black panther laying across her lap, feels very similar to the cover of Michael Jackson's Thriller, which featured the song Beat It, in which Michael sits casually in front of a black backdrop dressed entirely in white with a tiger cub laying across his lap. It feels safe to say that Rhythm Nation 1814 was Janet Jackson's Thriller, and Black Cat was her Beat It. And while I don't know Janet personally yet, I feel confident she'd be perfectly comfortable with that comparison. The only other pop culture news from this week in 1990 was the premiere of one of my absolute favorite Saturday morning TV shows, NBA Inside Stuff with Ahmad Rashad and Julie Moran. Although I don't remember getting into the show until a couple seasons later when Willow Bay was Rashad's co-host. While I was generally indifferent to sports, again, contrary to the interest of my family, I had already begun to fall in love with basketball. 
This show was perfect for me, though, as I wasn't so in love with basketball that I cared to watch actual games. I just liked playing, collecting cards, and watching the week's highlights on Inside Stuff so that I could feel like I fit in with my sports-loving family and friends. It also came on right after all my favorite Saturday morning cartoons, which made it really convenient to watch. This premiere was part of a much larger move on the part of NBC to really reinvest in their sports programming, which we'll discuss a bit more next week. As for now, that's about all I've got for you, friends. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the links in the show notes. And if you're so willing, take about 30 seconds to rate and review 30 Pop on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you have a story or comment or question or dedication, anything really, you're invited to visit 30pop.com and leave a message on the 30 Pop answering machine. I'd love to hear from you. Plus, it'll likely be used in an upcoming bonus episode of the show. We've got another fun, full episode coming next week, though, so be sure to come back for that. But if not, no worries, because I've got friends in low places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away, and I'll be okay. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Braun. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1990 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com. 